Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler, here with my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's up, man? Yeah. You like the... The double, the triple Bs. <laughs> he caught me off guard there, and yeah. I like almost mimicked you. I was like, bu- 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 bu, but then I was like, "What's up?" So anyway, that just happened twice. Um, so yeah, so welcome, <laughs> Masters of Modern. Today uh, is going to be cool. We're going to be talking about some fun stuff. It's going to be our year in review episode. We do these every year, and we're going to talk about all this cool stuff that happened in Magic, Masters of Modern, modern in general. What a year it has been. Twenty sixteen. So we're at like a hundred. Correct me if I'm wrong here. What is this like a hundred and twelve or something like, like that? 13. 113 episodes? Technically, after 109, because we, we moved to Collected Company, and they don't really use episode numbers, Got so it. I stopped putting episode numbers in. Which means we're in the third year of content? Is that really true? We're, we are in the third year. We have done two years. We've done this podcast for two years. Two plus years. Yeah, yeah. Wild. Yeah. That's wild stuff. Yeah. Thanks, we're actually, we, we, we just, I think, just kind of passed the Ben Bateman Joy of the Podcast. So you've done it officially now also for two years. Over two years. Yeah, before, yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. So before we get into all of that goodness, let's talk about some magic news. Uh, today in magic news, uh, this weekend, SEG Modern Classic Atlanta happened. That was kind of the only modern major tournament. There were a bunch of IQs, which I don't count. Um, the really big thing, Dredge won, uh, you know, continuing its uh, dominance of the format right now. Uh, but interesting facts. Two Sun and Moon decks, also known as the Red-White Prison Control decks, took the place. Uh, next called Sun and Moon because it's playing Blood Moon, and my favorite card. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, Planes, or maybe possibly the Sun Champions in the sideboard. Yes, the Elspeth Sun Champions. Um, though more, it's the, 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 the Plane symbol is a... Is a, is a sun. Is the sun. And then, you know, there's the Blue Moon decks. It's kind of similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a cool deck. Um, it, so there's, there's that's going on. Took two slots. And then Slivers... Uh, hit uh, third place. Yeah, and this is a deck by Bradley George. This is a deck that people have been working on for a while. So around the time the Collected Company got spoiled uh, and people started building with it and it became an Elves deck and all of those things, uh, there was a lot of variations on Collected Company decks. One of the main ones was a Slivers deck and it got some attention back then. This is at least the first time in recent memory that I can remember a top eight of a major tournament involving the the Collected Company Slivers deck. But the thing that always happens when you try to build the Slivers deck is that this is it. You look at Sinew Sliver, which is Muscle Sliver in white, and then you look at the green one, and you're like, great. I have, And then you're like, oh, but I really want to pay, play Sedge Sliver, because it's like the other sweeter version of those cards. And then you're like, well, that means I have to play all the colors. So then this deck gets a little problematic. But they made it work, and it's awesome. And it looks really cool. It's a cool list. So, I'm yep. a fan. I mean, it plays, it plays, you know, four Collected Company and four Ether Vial, which is good. The base for like any a lot of these like tribal. I'm actually surprised how many of these cards have new cards, new slivers. All of the predator looking ones that aren't as sweet looking as old slivers. Um, but yeah, yeah the, like, old slivers you know, are cool. the new ones are powerful too. Uh, the rounded up green white Tron got second place. Ad nauseum got fifth. Uh, Death Shadow Zoo got sixth place, and Jund rounded out the ninth, tenth, and eleventh slot. Death Shadow Zoo being titled Zooicide oh, here. Just Guy Flash got uh, fourth place. So that's yeah. me too. Just Guy Flash. It's like it seems like the format's pretty healthy. I mean aside from Dredge being very busted, anytime that there's a deck like Dredge that is like public enemy number one and does something on a really unfair axis and it takes first place in a major tournament, you always have to be a little bit like 
uh oh, because you know that everybody's got sideboard hate for that deck. You know, right. everybody's like gunning for it, and game two should be able to beat it or have a good shot at it. And if it still wins the tournament, then. Well, that's why I think Infect had such problems in this tournament versus Dredge, because I think that's kind of the world we live in. And if you look at the other decks in this format, they're all kind of Infect resistant versus Dredge, where they're a little bit harder, maybe Dredge matchups. Um, yeah. yeah, so that, that was the SCG Modern Classic Atlanta. Uh, one other really. The only other piece of big news uh, was that we got a bunch of uh, Aether Revolt spoilers kind of out there. We're not going to get too into it because we like to save the bulk of that for when we do our set review in January. Um, one thing I do want to mention uh, is we did get one of the mechanics, one of the new mechanics that will be added, and it's Improvise, which is Convoke for Artifacts. That's right. I did see that. Yep. And we got Blue Void Slime, which is fun. Which is sweet. I mean, that, it feels like a mechanic that very possibly could be broken, but we'll find out. Yes, mana reducers are exciting and always tenuous in terms of power level because they're easy to break. Yep. Um, like um, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day uh, over at Machinima when I was going to drop some stuff off, and we were talking about magic, and he was sort of being like, oh, it's interesting. Like We were comparing it to Hearthstone and the design, the design aspect of it. And I was explaining to one of the guys in his office who was asking about the history of magic design, and I was like, well, yeah, you have these sets in the beginning in the first few years, and you have to kind of compare Hearthstone's design to that. You have to realize that they're still in the early stages of this game, whereas Magic's got 23 years of design, so it's easier for them to not make mistakes. But then I was like, however, sometimes those mistakes happen because you look at Ancestral Recall, you look at Treasure Cruise, they're not as far off as you think. <laughs> I was like, they're just not. Yeah. Well, part of it is you need to make exciting cards. I, you know, I'm always I'm always encouraging of Wizards to take risks. I like, for instance, and we'll talk a lot about this today, is the Eldrazi. Um, specifically the Oath of the Gatewatch Eldrazi, you know, were a risk. They knew Ayavugan was in the format of Modern. They knew that these would be really powerful, but I'd rather them do these sweet, cool new cards, making basically a six-color of magic, allowing them to push them, than had been resistant or, or, or you know, unwilling to make sweet cards. So yep. I'm always in power favor of powerful sweet cards that you can ban later than the reverse. Cool. Um, and the one other thing with the more the, the spoiled cards is we got the um, and I was I actually thought it was only going to be once per block not once per set but we got the intro decks uh, which are these new planeswalker decks that right. have like brand new planeswalkers just for those those are spoiled the planeswalkers as well but they're lower powered planeswalkers correct though these are way better than the last ones they're six mana but yeah. Tezzeret literally has a minus that does four mana Tezzeret's ultimate or it's half of Tezzeret's ultimate sweet. Dome someone for how many artifacts you control. Yeah, like, I just I the, can kill someone. Those last ones that. were like those last ones were like painfully underpowered. Uh, did you see, hear what I did this weekend? What I so because you know there's the whole standard showdown, showdown thing happening. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Heidi Ho just to hang out because I had nothing to do on Saturday, and they're like, "Oh, standard showdown's happening, but we only have six, so we need two people." Me and some guy that I was jamming modern with I, were like, "Okay, we don't have standard decks." They're like, "Well, uh, I don't know what to do." So we bought each bot. He bought the Nissa, and I bought the Chandra uh, intro decks. And I just threw in some rares. I had like two Nahiris and Avacyn from, and then uh, like a few of the vehicles yeah. that I just had and just threw them in the deck because it's a red-white vehicle deck and got to the finals. Sweet. So it can't be that bad. Yeah. Can it? You've also <laughs> done 110 episodes of a Magic podcast. So welcome to knowing how the game works pretty well. <laughs> Are you saying I'm good at Magic? No, never. Never would say that. <laughs> All right. So that's it for news. Uh, thanks, you know, as always, for listening to the news. Uh, before we get into the main bulk of the podcast, we need to do our basically advertising slash shoutouts. Uh, make sure to follow us on Twitter. I am at the MMCast. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. No, you're at Kess Wiley. We're at the MMCast. Yes. <laughs> what Ben just said. 
and he's at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, we have a Patreon. Make sure to go to Patreon. Please donate. Uh, starting in January, there'll be a slightly new system, so it'll be updated for that. But it's how we kind of do cool stuff. It's how we do YouTube videos every week. It's how we buy new equipment. It's how we pay for how this podcast. Um, next, we you know make sure to check out. We're, we're actually on a new site, so people might not know this. We're on Collected.Company now instead of RocketJump.com. Yep. Um, so make sure to go there. Jimmy and Josh are also there from the Command Zone. They're a sister podcast. They do awesome content. They've been doing these cool gameplay videos uh, that I'm, I'm going to be on the next one. They'll do one every month where they get kind of like it's a reality TV show version of playing Commander. Um, Twitter we did. YouTube. Uh, last but not least, make sure to go to the YouTube channel. We're releasing YouTube content there all the time. If you go to YouTube.com slash the MMCast, you'll be able to find our YouTube versions of the video. Make sure to subscribe there, especially if you're listening right now on YouTube. You should subscribe. Hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on iTunes or something else, also subscribe. Just subscribe to us in any way possible. We'll, we even have a magazine subscription you can pay for. We don't. We don't. Have we that. don't have that. And then, um, <laughs> and last two two things quickly before we get to the rest of the thing. Um, one is that Kessler was on Sean Penrod's podcast, oh, yeah. MTG Pro Tutor, this last week, and I listened to the episode. And it was great. Kessler mentioned me and acknowledged that I existed once, so that was cool. <laughs> I'm not. I'm Maybe not twice. Convinced you do exist. <laughs> Isn't this like a? This could be a wonderful life kind of situation. Not a wonderful life. Wrong movie. What's the one Sixth where he? Sense? Is that your thing about? No, no. <laughs> What's the one where he like? is a super scientist, but also imagines everything around him. Beautiful mind. Beautiful mind. There we go. And this next episode is called Tangent. Um, <laughs> no, uh, Kessler was on that. It was great. And, and Sean does awesome content, and uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, make sure to check it out. It was really fun being on the podcast. We talk about where Magic started, all the stuff I've been working on separate from Magic, top decking, all that good stuff. So yeah, go check it, it cool. out. It's a good place. And the last thing that we would like to mention yes. is a big shout-out is that we want to give a shout out to at the Green Mage on Twitter. Yeah, um, so he donates the Patreon, and we accidentally forgot him in our song, but he's also actively our friend on Twitter as well, so we want to give him a secondary giant thank you for donating to the podcast, being our friend, listening to the podcast, and... Uh, and interacting and saying things that are fun and, and asking good questions, and we're so sorry we missed you. We were doing our best to stay in tune, and I was trying my best to nickel back out, but still pronounce names correctly, and... Uh, can, can, you, can, you, can you say his name in your nickelback voice, just to... Green Mage. Yeah, perfect. All right, there you go. Make that a ringtone. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the MMCast Year in Review. We're going to do this month by month, so starting with January. Cool. It was cold outside. Uh, I was in Hong Kong for the first 10 days, as I will be this year, and Oath of the Gatewatch spoilers happened. Yeah, yeah, it was cool. We were leading up to the Pro Tour, and I remember... Um, I remember the Splinter Twin banning, and it that was, happened. That was the next one. Wait, we're going to talk about January. We have 12 months. We don't have that much time today. Fair. Okay. All right. And the other thing that happened was Splinter Twin and Amulet Bloom getting banned out of the format. Well, because the two things, the reason that these are related is because the, the spoilers for Oath of the Gatewatch started coming out, and we all started being like, wow, these cards are really busted. I, I'm on one of the one of the uh, group chats I'm on um, on Facebook. A lot of the guys from Team East West Bowl are on there, and I remember... Thought not seer getting spoiled and everybody being like, uh, it's like a four four V click, but better. And everybody was freaking out. And I was at the movies that weekend after the uh set had been spoiled and everything like that. And and Splinter Twin got banned along with Bloom. And I just remember like it was like 40 minutes before this movie started, and I just remember checking our Twitter and it was like the it was crazy. It was like we got so much interaction that night. Do you remember? Um, when Splinter Twin got oh, banned. Oh, yeah. It was our 
it was yeah it was a huge it was like the biggest level of interaction we've ever had it was crazy it was like yep. every two minutes you'd reload and you'd be maxed out on notifications it like was as just... bad as splinter twin getting banned was for me personally as a person who had the deck splinter twin built yeah uh, having our Twitter blow up, that was probably in the long term going to be better for me. Yeah, and it, I mean, it changed the face of modern. This podcast. And the whole, people hopefully listening because of that happening. You know, the whole next little section of, of what we're going to talk about, and we'll get through all of it, changed modern a lot. And and those two things, Oath of the Gatewatch as a set, introducing a new archetype to the year was, was a big deal. Yeah. And then the banning of Bloom and, and Twin. And in fact, there are still versions, well, not of twin really that anyone plays anymore there's a version of bloom that i see people play sometimes though with azusa's well i think there is twin there there's you know there i i see um different versions of like them trying to play twin with kiki jiki instead i see blue white you know red kiki jiki decks i've seen teamer ones i've seen uh straight blue red i think also all of the like uh um the wall the zero four thing in the ice decks are kind of adjacent to what that deck was beforehand. Just without the combo. Without the combo. I, it, you know, Blue Moon also still exists, but that was a thing before. But yeah, I, I, I do agree that it kind of definitely shot the format in a different direction and is probably one of the most significant changes to modern and, and all in one moment. Oath of the Gatewatch and Twin and Bloom being banned all in the same day or at the same release is yeah. kind of one of the biggest shifts in modern's history. Because it literally goes from like Twin is a format, super interactive to... Eldrazi Winter. <laughs> yeah, it was really one of those. It was definitely a funny sequence of events. The two things, the one following the other, it, it makes you wonder what would have happened if Twin had been legal the whole time Eldrazi Winter was happening. How would that have gone? Um, I do know. I, you know, Andrew Brown said this when we talked to him. If Twin was still around during Eldrazi Winter, he just would have played Twin. Yeah. So, or he, during the Pro Tour. So, um, and somebody would have, decision, and, and somebody would have beaten him because as good as that deck was. When the Eldrazi deck had Eye of Ugin, it was like the most disgusting, busted, ridiculous, out-of-control deck ever. Could it kill you before turn four? Could, I forget. It, it couldn't kill you, but it could like it could just crit. Like, I mean, it yeah, could yeah, play so you. many resources. Yeah, yeah. There's no way that a twin deck could recover from that. Just going infinite. All right, but yes. Uh, and that brings us into fe- February. Pro Tour, Oath of the Gatewatch, and the start of Eldrazi Winter. Well, this was just, just quickly to actually last thing to add to that point. The reason sure. that matchup would be problematic is because you're not dealing with a V-click situation um, or, or like a, I guess with V click it goes to the bottom of the deck, but like or like a tide hollow scholar situation. The reason thought nuts here is so nuts is because the cards exiled. So if you exile the combo piece from their hand and they draw a card, great. They only have so many combo pieces in their deck. Sure. You take the twin out of their hand before they can play their twin. The, <laughs> their twin's gone. Yeah. They, yeah. they can't I'll get that. T- you know, so you know one of you know Splinter Twin's biggest matchup problems is always discard and right. this is that. It's um, not V click reshuffling from the bottom. So. Yeah. It's like better than Thoughtseize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so February, Pro Tour with the Gatewatch and the Eldrazi Winter begins. So this this is significant just because it's one of the few times two different teams completely broke the format in half. Just like two different decks, both Eldrazi, literally not another deck really survived after this. Yeah, it was the SCG guys and the East-West Bowl guys. Yeah, and this put East-West Bowl on the map, which is now probably one of the three most important teams in paying attention to Magic teams out there. Yep. Um, yeah, no, this is... this is, it, it was extremely insane and fun to watch and extremely detrimental to Magic over the next three months, or modern. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was great. It was great for a Pro Tour and then not great for the season that followed. Um, it was very cool to see a lot of our friends were involved with um, East West Bowl, and it was cool to see them face off on the biggest stage ahead against like the biggest names in Magic. It was also one of those fascinating things where you're like, 
it's really cool to remember that it's not all just like play skill. It's a lot of this game is designed and the smartest minds understand it the best. And those smartest minds, when you put them on a team, will come to similar conclusions and you break formats. That's how you solve them. That's why standard rotates like it does. And with this, they introduce new cards and the same thing happened. The best deck sure. was, come up, was a different version of the same deck from two different teams. But it was so cool. The, you know, Chalice main deck, Spirit Guide, like Andrew talks about it on his last episode on the cast that his greatest experience in competitive magic, he talks about that Pro Tour and how like next level it was to be going against with this brand new tech and they had both come to the same conclusion and like just the mind games and the levels with those games. It's pretty cool stuff to watch. Yeah. Um, next is March. Not much happens. This is mid Eldrazi winter. Uh, GP Detroit, I think, was in March, um, and it was vaguely just a sign that, oh, this is when we all learned that Eldrazi window was happening. The format wasn't going to self-correct. Um, one thing, you know, Geist, the, 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 I think it was Spe- Holy versus Demonic or something along those lines. Oh, sure. Deck, so we got some sweet Geists out there in the world. And, uh, but yeah, that was, that's March. We're going to move on because <laughs> April is significantly more significant. Oh, we had Jerry Thompson on for in that month. That was fun. Oh, yeah. We had Jerry Thompson on, and he did like a whole, like, this is how I brew, and this is what I come up with. That was a really fun episode. It's a fun one to go back and listen to. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, and I we guess did, we should talk about our episode. And we did the Planeswalker tournament in March. Oh, because it was March Madness. Yeah. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Okay. That was fun. That. that was fun. And I think in the end, it was Liliana won the tournament, right? Yeah, Liliana beat Ugin. Uh, did Ugin make it, or was it Karn? Oh, Karn, 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 yeah, yeah, Karn. Yeah. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, because they definitely beat each other, and they're definitely the exact same. Card. Like the same card. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and that was our first two-part episode. Yeah. Yeah. It was, cool. like, it was like, who shot Mr. Burns, part one and two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next is April. And a bunch of stuff happened in April. Shadows of Yannistrad was released. Modern Bands, Eye of Ugin. Modern Unbanned, Sword of the Meek and Visions. The Platinum Rewards went into flux. Uh, oh, yeah. And the end of the Modern Pro Tour. Yeah. This is another like huge big month. moment for... Like, as we mentioned before, how Eldrazi Winter changed the face of Modern, the big thing it did was it killed the Modern Pro Tour. It, it, it and the Sp- Splinter Twin banning together, and the response to the Splinter Twin banning brr, just made it so Wizards realized, you know what? Modern is popular now. We no longer have to enforce it. What we need the Pro Tour to be, which is an advertising event for a new set, makes it so a, a comfortable format isn't something that works. So we need to... Still something I'm very disappointed about. Get rid of the Pro Tour. <laughs> I still wish that it existed. Uh, uh, I'm excited to see how... And, and GP Vegas next year is going to be a kind of an example. I do want to see... And I like world. You know, the World Championships has this. I want to see a more separated, formal version of a modern big tournament. Is GP Vegas in April or June this year? Uh, it is in May. May? I believe. That's what I meant when I said April or June. So, um, so <laughs> of all the months you guessed in that time, you <laughs> did not guess the correct one. Um, yeah, so we have uh, Shadows of Renistrad came out. It was a big set. The banning of Eye of Ugin, which obviously uh, at the time there was a chance that a lot of us thought they would ban both Temple and Eye, um, or possibly even Thought Not Seer. It's good that they handled it the way they did. Smart minds up there. In uh... Eye of Ugin was, I think, doing the most degenerate stuff. I mean, it, the other ones were less problematic. This hurt Tron a little bit, but that's also not a bad thing based on how many pieces Tron got out of Oath as well. So Platinum reward changes. This was a big one, and we had we had a couple different people on within a couple weeks here. I, I believe we had Matt Sperling and Paul Rietzel both on right around then to talk about it. But uh, they basically retroactively went and changed the rewards that certain players were chasing for the following year in the middle of a season and for about a week there before they went back on what they said and, and 
it, the changes are still happening, but what they changed, I believe, and I might be wrong on this, but basically what they changed was instead of it being retroactively applied to things that people had already earned, it, it will only take effect for people in future seasons so yeah. that people working on things won't attempt to do things without the actual reward promised. Yeah, because um, and it was a huge problem. I mean, I think uh, I seem to remember Paul saying, you know, don't don't panic. I have faith in this game. I have faith in them to listen to us and, and they'll... They'll hear the words of the important people in the community, and I don't think that this will stand. And and they, he was right, he was right. It changed for the better. Yeah. And um, the other huge thing, and it's funny because normally, <laughs> normally unbanning Sword of the Meek and Ancestral Visions would have been huge, but in the hubbub of that month, I, I sort of feel like it got kind of lost. It wasn't as big of a deal as it should have been. Yeah, I mean, part of it is that they didn't have a huge effect on the format. Sword of the Meek kind of didn't do anything as a in modern and visions has definitely you know it's seeing play but it's not anywhere close to dominant it's just a random value card that some control decks play i can't um, believe i can't believe sort of the make is still as irrelevant in the format as it is it, it makes it really leads me to believe that there are just a few cards on the ban list still that probably wouldn't have that big of an effect on the format and are there more out of legacy than anything else um the the one thing I do want to talk about, April, because this kind of was the moment that the year tipped. If I were to say that modern was represented by two phases this year, it would really be kind of the Oth- the Eldrazi phase and the Innistrad phase. Because really, it was dominated by Eldrazi until Shadows Over Innistrad came out. And then since Shadows Over Innistrad, Dredge has kind of dominated the format and graveyard strategies. So really, the difference between those two periods is so starkly specific to also the theme of the set coming out that uh, I'm interested to see how good Affinity is starting next year. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Seeing if Wizards can keep that up. Um, Next is May, and the big thing in May was more for us um, and you guys, because that's when we did our live episode, which was our first big live event in a location with an audience, but that was Grand Prix Los Angeles, which is the modern GP we both had to play. Yeah, super fun. I took Tesserator to it hoping that Sword of the Meek was better than it is, and it wasn't, and I didn't make day two. <laughs> I was doing a coverage piece for Machinima uh, Inside Esports on the Go90 app, and uh, I, which I actually just got all the footage finally. I have it now, so I can use it and like put it in my reel and stuff. Because it, it was all on Go90. It's one of these paywall things. It's it, This is like, for those of you that like watch a lot of YouTube or content and don't realize, the way of the future now is that every company realized if we just give free video away... We'll have like limited advertising opportunities, and we'll never be able to monetize it because nobody wants to pay for it. They'll just get the content somewhere else for free because everybody was doing free content for so long. That's why every single one of these big companies invested and was like, we're going to build a paywall. So you download the app, and if you download the app, you pay this much money, and you can have all this great content. Problem is, no one wants to pay. So these paywalls exist, and nobody sees the content. So right. you get hired to do it, and you're like, I did this cool thing for this big brand that you know of. And they're like, where can I see it? And you're like... Go download this app for two ninety nine or whatever, and then you can see it. And they're like, "I'm never going to do that." <laughs> <laughs> some of that, some of that also is, I think the successful model is you just have to be established already. The way Netflix pulled it off was the people already had Netflix accounts. The way Hulu pulled it off was it's free, but they are owned by the studio. The way Amazon paid it off, you have an Amazon account already. It, yep. The way Directv is pulling it off, you have a Directv account, and you can now use Directv on, on demand or whatever. So like. I think that's the way of the future. They, but, but, but that was all built on somebody paying for something before the content Correct. existed. And that's what, like, I think if you have a large subscription base, then you can start creating video content, no matter what your subscription base is. Like yeah. at Amazon, they started selling books, and now Star City Games, they're the yeah. way of the future. 
So yeah. Star City Games, start making paid wall video content. <laughs> yeah, I guess. So, but anyway, Grand Prix Los Angeles, back to the event itself, was such a blast for us. Um, it was so fun to meet to meet a lot of you guys. Um, we kept hearing from people, why don't you guys have video content? We don't know what you look like. We, we kept hearing from people like, wait a minute, are you? Like, yes. Like, like oh, I recognize your voice because I heard you at this table playing a game. And you're like... Yeah, that's what I do. I started talking really loud wherever yeah. I went. I didn't do that. <laughs> no. People notice me about my laugh, which is interesting. Um, all right. So next we have June, which two important things happened. First, Eternal Masters came out, which was which was sweet. sweet. And yep. sadly sweeter, sweeter really for Highlander Roulette than anything else. But. Sadly, there was only one modern reprint in the entire set that was relevant, and that was the elf. Yep, and it was Heard moved to rare, which was also a little bit uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. unnecessary. Uh, and more importantly, we got to spoil our first spoiler card. Yeah, that was so cool, right? Like that, like wizards reached out to us, and they were like, "Hey, guys, you cover modern, and we're going to be spoiling this, and we have this card, and it's like a modern relevant card. Do you guys want to spoil it?" And we were like, "Oh my goodness, of course we do!" Right. We lost it. We kind of lost it. It was yeah, yeah. It was super hyped. It was Wizards of Emrakul, which is the Hem to Torak Delirium card. And I was about one percent away from tweeting exactly what they told me not to by misreading an email. They were like examples of things you can't say, and it was like this. And I read it, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds reasonable. It's not giving the card away." And I was like writing up the tweet, and then I was like, "Wait a second. I like reread it, and I was like, (laughs) (laughs) "Just kidding." Like magic, (laughs) you should always read your email, and you should always read your cards. That was an overstatement. I wasn't one percent away. Uh, July. Please keep giving us cards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, July. Eldric Moon uh, came out. Yeah, yeah. This was like we had all these cool mechanics, like emerge and things like that. This is a set that almost, and we're, we're going to go for our where there's going to be like the best of the year awards at the end of this. But I thought Eldric Moon was, I thought it had more like it has like five or six extremely important, powerful cards that it had to modern, and it had a very large variety of which decks it helped. It just wasn't. It's a small set, so it like it, and it didn't have like an oath of the gatewatch thing where it literally every card for a specific archetype was created. Um, you have this thing where you actively mispronounce things even after you know that how to Eldritch is okay. I was just going to ask, so the, the clarity is that it is in fact Eldritch. Yeah, That's Eldrick how... is what I was saying. Eldritch is yes. how you say it. Okay, Heartstone, Heartstone, Hearth. <laughs> Stone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, yes, Eldritch Moon came out, and yeah, I mean, there, there was like, I thought the mechanics in Eldritch Moon were awesome. No, I mean, like, Grim Flare came out out of it. Uh, Liliana is seeing play. Traverse the Ulvenwald. Bedlam Reveler. Traverse the Ulvenwald. Uh, the yeah. Spirit. The Spirit. Oh. The one you like. Spell Queller. Eldritch Evolution. Selfless Spirit. Haunted Dead. Yeah, that's a bunch cards. of sweet ones. All right, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Yep. Uh, and. Next is August, Conspiracy 2. Biggest reprint, once again, was a uncommon move to rare in the form of Inquisition Kozilek, Kozilek, yeah. um, which definitely was a card that they were like, okay, when's the next time we can print this into a set after they couldn't get it into Oath of the Gatewatch? And they were like, Conspiracy, because it, it also doesn't make sense in that set as like a playable card, which right. is fine. I'm glad they reprinted it. I'd rather they reprint stuff, and sometimes you just, oh, I won $13 that I can't play in my deck. Uh, and then from the Vault Lore... Which was another kind of, oh, none of these cards reprinted really affect the format necessarily. Yes, from I mean, it's just they're just cool, better yep. for Highlander Roulette than anything else. GTA. actually, the only cards that were modern legal or modern legal sets were both banned in modern, which mm. was fascinating. Uh, September, we got because it was like Legacy Summer. We had from the Vault Conspiracy, Eternal Masters. It's fair. Uh, September, Kaladesh happened. Kaladesh is sweet. You love this set. 
I really like Kaladesh a lot. Um, I it's funny because it hasn't made as big of a of, of a modern impact as I kind of thought that maybe it was going to. But it's it's just chock full of kitschy cards that do clever things that are cool that have lots of interactions. Super like Rube Goldberg machiney, just like just very cool. Um, it's my it's my kind of set. It's also the kind of set that I think is going to see some play now but in eternal formats more casual formats like i think over the years you're going to see a lot of the cards from kaladesh go unexplored now and become things later on which is like what happens with a lot of my favorite sets like a lot of the stuff from mirrored and block the first mirrored and block was sort of like that time spiral was kind of like that um there's just a lot of complex stuff going on with kaladesh everything's kind of right on the edge of powerful enough which is what makes it so fun I mean, and the big thing that kind of Kaladesh, the, the two big things, I think, you know, it created the, the enemy fetch, fast lands, but then I think the big one was Cathartic Reunion. Cathartic Reunion is the thing big that just card, has, yeah. like, given Dredge such a huge shot in the arm that, like, it's almost become a problem. Right. Um, I do want to say, though, I think Dredge is affinity-esque, where I, people, it's very dominant now, but it's also because it came out of left field, and I think if people really designate the right graveyard towards it, it's a deck that might be feasible. So I don't know how much it needs to be killed by a ban. Yeah. Um, but I definitely think it is obviously overtly powerful. Yep. Um, the other thing that happened in September was GP Atlanta. I made day two of a GP. What? What? He didn't really. He's just making that up. That didn't really happen. Didn't happen. You can look it up. Isn't like Planeswalker points. Okay, fine. Planeswalkerpoints.com. I guess I, don't I know need if that's to, the website. I guess I need to start trying to make day two of GPs again. So I have two now. It. Yeah, yeah. You have to beat me. <laughs> you still owe me how many dinners? <laughs> uh, all right, November. We're getting towards the end of the year. Commander 2016. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think. Was there a major reprint in Commander 2016 for modern even? Uh, Not that I can think of. Yeah, I mean, the commander sets... They're awesome. I mean, like, as from, far yeah, as... From a product point of view, they're fantastic. Yeah, I mean, they're really cool. Well-designed. not modern. Really. A lot of value. Like, just not my not my cup You're of tea. You're not excited about all the cool foil cards you know of X2? There's no foil cards. that. Oh, oh, do you mean the, like, the new... Every every legendary creature is a foil card. Yeah, those ones. Yeah, yeah. There's a couple. There's that. There's that there's sick... There's that sick Rakdos gutter snipe that I like. Yeah, there's the blue-black... Uh, Ophidian Snapcaster made for artifacts. Yeah, I mean, there's some sweet cards. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, December, last but not least, is the year we're month we're in now. Plane Chase compilation set, which may have came out in November, uh, came out. This is not super exciting other than the fact that there are more Bale tricks. I'm, I'm going to get it because I love these things, but I, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything super relevant. And Vopter Pie Network, which is the holiday theme card, which is uh, a, a joke on Vopter after spy Dr. network spy network and uh instead of tokens you have to put your tokens all have to be made out of food right it's very it's like unglued-esque they're all unglued that's their silver border yeah. that's like their thing for the people that don't know wizards of the coast releases a holiday card every year in silver border it's so silver border means it's not legal in any format other than silver bordered format so unglued unhinged are the only two actual sets printed this way i wonder and if they're th- all like punny jokes based on christmasy things and existing cards I wonder if I tweet right now, um, do you like Unglued? Yes, no, don't care what what the response would be. Here's the thing with Unglued. Unglued gets tons of yeses. Yeah. People like that Unglued exists. No one's going to buy it. Nobody likes to play Unglued? No one likes to pay for Unglued. Oh, would Ziggy Ansa also qualify as a football player with a Star Wars name? Hmm. People love the Star Wars football segment. Just checking our notifications. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. Now, 
it's time for the Best of the Year Awards, where me and Ben have each picked our pick for Best of a Thing. The categories are Best New Card, Best Returning Card, Best Set, Best Supplemental Product, Best New Deck, Best Returning Deck, and Best Episode of the Year. That's the that's the big that's the gold ribbon that's the like best, best episode film. of the year yeah that's the <laughs> that's best picture yeah but so w- if that's best picture what's best director like how could we be controversial if with best director winning one and best picture winning the other it would be like if we were doing best guest that's what it would be yeah which we, we were originally doing and then decided not to because we couldn't choose because we liked all of our guests so much and we're so thankful to have all those yeah guests I don't want to like yeah rank them yeah. well and also like again like guests are just, are just they're valuable for completely different reasons like yeah. we've had we've had great episodes where we have tons of insight from like a magic insider versus we've had episodes where we have like a totally comical hilarious episode one's like vastly fascinating the other's like super entertaining it's yeah, I mean, hard. everyone from The Professor to Sam Pardee to Gary Thompson to G- Matt Jerry Spurs, Thompson. Jerry Thompson. I think, unless I'm wrong, correct me. You're probably right, yeah. knowing me. <laughs> Matt Sperling, Andrew Brown, um, Corey yeah. Burkhart. Like, we had, you know. Yeah, a lot of really good guests this year. Um, but okay. yeah, so, so let's go through it. All right. Best new card. And by, by the way, as always, when we do these things, there are actually two options. We're going to tell you both of them, and you get to decide who wins on Twitter probably at some point. Uh, yeah, so best new card. The nominees and actual cards are Prized Amalgram versus Thought Not Seer. Thought not seer. Um, and I, and I, I, like the argument for these two cards, obviously, is one is the premier card in the best deck right now. The other one was the premier card, the premier threat in the best deck before major bannings, but managed to survive post-major bannings. Yeah, I think, I think the argument for me here is I think... As much as Prize Amalgam literally just breaks Dredge in half, I think Thought Not Seer is the best creature in the in, of the year. New co- creature. Yeah, I mean, it's it's going to be... They, they're they not going to ban anything else that... I mean, unless they ban Temple, which I, mean, I don't think... Yeah, I, do. I don't think Thought Not Seer is ever going to be banned. It's 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 good enough to, totally be honest, should see play probably in other decks other than right. Eldrazi. And Bant Eldrazi is still probably a Tier 1 deck. Uh, I would I would consider it a tier one deck. A lot of people consider it one of the best decks in the format and probably underplayed right now. Well, this is um, some, this is something I will say. Um, okay, so if you were to, as an experiment, as a player, like a really good player, I'm talking. I'm talking somebody who's like a Corey Burkhart level player who can take something that's maybe a little bit off the beaten path and try to make it good. And you were to change out your mana base in just a traditional deck that's not playing Thought Nut Sears to not utilize Fetch Shock mana bases, but to utilize like... Fastland, Painland mana bases that were heavily sure. Painland dependent. I wonder how much worse you would be by percentage. I wonder, like, nobody does this because it's we're way past it. Nobody's going to try it. But I wonder, because if it was the case, that if you were a good enough player that you could be like, all right, I'll just I'll construct it this way and play a little differently, then all of a sudden, Thought Not Seer just becomes an insane threat in a Jund deck. It just becomes, like, a great card in an Abzan deck. Sure. I, I think the reason to do that like, I don't think it works in Jund, and the reason it doesn't work in Jund is because of Liliana. I think pain lands are really problematic when your deck has a bunch of double pip, so like two convert two mana cost right. symbol cards, because you are then going to end up paying a lot of life on them. But if you have it as, you know, a bunch of, you know, two colorless and a black, two colorless and a green, two colorless and a red, it works a little bit better. And in that world, I think that a Thought Not Seer could be a very playable card in other decks. Totally. Um, so I definitely think, I think Thought Not Seer is kind of the best card of the year. 
I'll give it to you. This is kind of like the best writer category where they like throw it up in the very beginning of the Academy Awards so that you then like start it off in like a slight bang. All right. Well, no, what always happens at the Academy Awards is what they do is it's best writer is like a little more middle. It's like best supporting actress or like supporting actor will be one of the first ones because it's like a big award that's like not the biggest. And then they'll go soft for like an hour and then you'll get back to like real the ones. Big, the big four. They start you out with like something pretty decent, like supporting actor. Right. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> All right. Best returning card. This well, you, is you skip best. You skip favorite cards. Oh, sorry. No, we'll do that after best returning card. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. So best returning card. Uh, uh, we have two here, um, and these are a little bit more. Uh, Narcomiba and Koth. So Koth being the premier card out of Scred Red, who just won one of the GPs of the year. Premier threat. Yeah. Um, premier threat. And Narcomiba and I. To be, <clears throat> sorry, Narcomiba, I think is the card that has been in modern the longest didn't really see play forever, and then now has come back in a big way. And I think it's a more important card to the deck it's in than anything otherwise in the Dredge deck. I don't, to be totally honest, they could ban any other piece out of Dredge other than, uh, of the older cards, and the deck would still probably be functional. I think Narcomiba is like this big, unique card um, that's definitely something to focus on. Yeah, I mean, again, it's like it's kind of like we've made the argument before. When were you ever going to see the card of Splinter Twin in another deck? It didn't mean that Splinter Twin, the card, and the deck weren't r- ridiculously important and powerful in the format. Sure. Same thing. I mean, Prized Amalgam's not going to show up in other decks. Neither is Narcomiba, but they they all work together in conjunction to make this incredible thing. Whereas, and, and I guess Koth has only shown up in one deck, really, now. One really good deck. Yeah. Um, but Koth is one of these cards. There's a set of cards that cost four mana in, in Modern that are always head-scratchers. Like, the power level here is so high. How can how can this not be more of a thing? We always ask ourselves. It's, it's like that with a lot of four mana Planeswalkers. Tezzeret Aes and Abolus is another one that's like very much like that. And you always look at the card, and you're always like, I have to be able to make this work. And this is an example of somebody really making a very powerful, very well-liked card work in a, in a Grand Prix winning deck. So that was pretty pretty sweet. Sure. Um, one other thing on Narcopia, I do think... So there's a lot of talks about banning cards from Dredge, yep. and stuff is getting thrown. You know, Prize the Malgram is a card that people are considering. Golgari Grave Troll, because it was already on the ban list, is a thing people are considering. Um... Cathartic Reunion, because that's the thing that made it way too powerful as a thing keeps saying. I think Narcomiba. If you want to damage Dredge in a way, in a way that is consistent in a card that they're not going to reprint in any function, like all those other cards are cards that could see reprint. Like Cathartic Reunion is a card that another version of Cathartic Reunion is going to see printing somehow. There's going to be another discard X cards more than one to draw X cards more than two. Like that's going to happen. Do you think the deck would be able to function well without Narcomiba? Uh, I don't know. I don't believe. I don't think it. I think it loses a lot of its power. Yeah. I don't think it loses all of it because I think you can just play um, more of the actual. They cost mana to bring it back into play. Right. Um, cards versus Narcomiba. I think Narcomiba definitely makes it a less powerful deck in a way that makes sense to me. That's what I would pick personally. Hmm. Interesting. Um, as sure a person is, who loves the deck, I'm sure that this is a conversation we will be having again early yes. part of the year. It's a big <laughs> hot button issue right now. Yeah, I think Narcomiba is that card. Uh, all right. So, what's your favorite card this year? This is more personal. Uh, my favorite card to come out this year is Sahili Rai. Um, I haven't seen it do enough in modern for it to qualify in any kind of a power level list. I have a deck I've been kicking around that I played a bunch of games against Kessler last week with, and it actually did surprisingly well. Like, not on the back of Sahili necessarily, but um, mostly on the back of Ensnaring Bridge, which is just a card that just wins magic games in an unfair way often. Um, but Kessler will attest, I believe I won four out of five games with this brew, and you played Gauntlet, and like you drew, you drew poorly, and the deck I was playing wasn't well-tuned. But, I mean, the Sahili, the Sahili Liquid Metal Coating combo was part of the engine, and um, 
Sahili's really good. That card's really, really good. It did interesting things against you, and I was surprised with how resilient the deck actually was playing against real decks. So I think that card's really good. I mean, I don't think it's one of the most powerful, but I think there's space there, and I just love the card. I think it's cool. Sure. Uh, my, mine was... Uh and this is favorite, so there's no wrong. Uh, Bedlam Reveler was mine. That's uh, so sick. Bedlam Reveler is so sick. It's basically Treasure Cruise meets a Discard Outlet meets a Prowess 3-4 meets Tassiger. It does like all these different things that I love doing, all in one little sweet package, all in one color. I've casted this a lot over the last six months. I'm a big fan. I mean, yeah, it's a 3-4. It's a 3-4 for two. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Basically. When it goes off, that draws you three cards. <laughs> it's crazy. When, I, I like It feels so powerful. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so... Next category, best set. And this is best, not favorite, because I, I already made it very clear my favorite set of the year has been Kaladesh. I really, really, really liked Kaladesh. But from the conversation of best in terms of power level, what it's added to the format, um, that conversation... Uh, it, there are two, two, two sets in contention. And once again, it's kind of on that line of this year has been separated in the two real meaningful halves, the Eldrazi half and the Innistrad half or the Graveyard Shenanigans half. And so these two decks, these two sets, Oath of the Gatewatch and Shadows Over Innistrad, did significant things to the format in different ways. Oath of the Gatewatch destroyed modern. It's, it's like the iceberg. Not destroyed, but like it literally lim- took a huge swing at modern, knocked it out for a, a couple rounds, and it came back. It was the grunge. It was, it was the grunge to the hair metal that existed before. Yes. His grunge killed hair metal, for those that don't realize. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I mean, like uh, we'll go over the cards, but, you know, the three big cards, uh, Thought Not Seer, Kalidus, Displacer, but it really, like, the, the Eldrazi cards offered by that set are kind of where it comes out, where it's Hissing Quiet, you know, the Manlands, Oath of Nyssa, right. Eldrazi Mimic, Warping Whale, Eldrazi Displacer, Kozilex Return, Matter Reshaper, Kalidus, Thought Not Seer, Reality Smasher, and World Breaker, all offered powerful options to the format. Um, and those are just the, like, the staples that doesn't go into stuff like there's the minus two, minus two colorless card that you scry one, and there's uh, Kozilek that sees play once in a while. You know, there's these other cards on the fringe, but obviously had a huge effect on the format. Um... But it's kind of insular, so the opposite side of that is Shadows Over Innistrad, where it doesn't necessarily, you know, A, it added Insolent Neonite and Prize Malgram, which are the reason Dredge exists. Nahiri, Thing in the Ice. And then on top of that, it offered other active, so Traversal and Wald, Thing in the Ice, Nahiri, Westvale Abbey. These are all cards that different decks kind of got uses out of, making the format more diverse by itself versus something Wait, Traverse like... Wait, Traverse is out of Shadows? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. I thought Traverse was out of Eldritch Moon for some reason. Nope. Um, interesting. I, I think that there's, and I've said it before on here, but I'll say it again because we are talking about it. My vote for the most powerful set, for the best set, is Oath. Um, just because of the, the the divine impact that it had, it required bannings. I mean, it was it killed the Pro Tour. It's, but it's so uniquely, specifically powerful. I think it's the most def- powerful set in regards to modern since... Uh, cons of Tarkir block. Yes. What I would say about Shadows, though, um, I mean, Traverse is one of those cards that it's sort of like, I don't think Traverse with the Ulvenwald is super powerful right now. I think that card is fringe playable in modern. You see it played in some people's decks, but that's a card to me, as we go forward, as we do, as we build more and more and come up with more and more things, people are going to find ways to use that card in a much, much, much more interesting, not like Jund Delirium kind of a deck. It's going to be like a this is the best version of a tutor I can get because it's one mana 
it's one mana, which is what modern's about, and it's efficient and it gets you what you want. I I think traverse is going to be a card that's around for a long time. People are going to find ways to use it. Well, and we've we've talked about lists. I, you know, when Josh uh, Kim was on during our esports episode, we talked about his uh, teamer revelry list. So I, I definitely think there's places for this card. Um, but yeah, I agree. Oath of the Gatewatch will go down in history as one of the most powerful sets out of the modern. Yep. All right, next. This is a little bit of a softball best supplemental product. I mean, there's really just a couple options, and I'm not choosing Commander 2016, so I'm going Eternal Masters. Unless you like Conspiracy or something, but I'm assuming you're going to go. I, no, I'm, I'm, it, it's Eternal Masters or Commander 16, and if I think if you play Modern or you're more competitive or you like multiplayer, that's where you're going to lean. I think they are completely different audiences, too, so it lets you lean in different directions. Conspiracy 2 was not as good as Conspiracy 1, in my opinion. No, it also, and it, it, it was less impactful. People didn't care it as much, it seemed like. And maybe it was the quality of the cards, I don't know, but it didn't, it didn't make the, the same kind of impact. The, the Draft Matters cards weren't as exciting. Um, the color-specific ones were kind of meh. And so, you know, it just went in a direction that I wasn't super interested in. Yep. Um, all right, next. Best new deck. Okay, this one's interesting, and I, I see what we have what we have written down here as uh, your choice and my choice. Um, What's your choice? My choice was the Caleb Durward uh, Spirits deck, the the Bant Spirits deck, and the reason I say that is because I really genuinely think that there was a there was a hunger for this for this archetype amongst players that remember um, first that remember you know Delver decks and Spirit decks and like. The card Drogskull Captain, I know, is a card that I had tried to make work a number of times. A lot of people that I had talked to felt the same way. Um, it's just It was just a cool deck in standard, and I, it always felt like it was right on the edge. You know, people that used to play fairies, um, people that used to play fairies in standard, I think that there was kind of a similar thing where, like, people this, just this want... This does a lot of what the, the fairies decks used to do, where in, but instead of Bitter Blossom, you have... Collected company. Yeah, and um, I just think it's a really cool deck. It's a cool use of all, all, all the different things that we have in Modern, and it's unique. It's, it's doing something that none of the other decks are doing, and um, obviously it hasn't you know made a massive impact. People know how to play around it, but it's powerful enough, in my opinion, that when the format shifts, and you know, I think this is a deck you're going to see hang around, and I'm happy that it's something a good player championed, because I was championing my own Esper version of a Spirits deck. The one thing you miss with this version is obviously you don't get to play Lingering Souls, which is a, a sorcery speed Esper card as opposed to a flash Bant card, but that's that's it. What about you? Uh, mine's Eldrazi. I think the best new deck was Eldrazi. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, th I think it's Bant Eldrazi because I think Bant Eldrazi was kind of solidifying itself as the best version of the Eldrazi deck during Eldrazi winter, winter and now has continued itself as the best um, Eldrazi deck in modern. So I, I definitely think that's... Kind of going to be the biggest, one of the two, unless bannings happen on the other one, one of the two biggest new decks of the year. Right. Um, and the other deck really isn't new, and we're going to get in that category right now, and that's best returning decks. Yeah, so this is a cool one. Um, these, these literally are any deck. What deck do you think was one of the more impactful decks of the year um, in a new creative way, I guess would be the way I would say it. Because I, I think... The one card deck we don't have on this list that I, I now am realizing is maybe a miss is in, in fact I think Infect is arguably the third piece of these three. Yeah, um, though, though Infect has been a pretty like heavy contender for a long time. Well, I, mean, so I, I, I think this is a category that, that that's kind of the like if we we're saying what's the best deck in the format right now. Yeah, Infect is close to the top of that list for me. Right. Um, but ignoring Infect, moving on. Uh, I have I have Dredge. Is my best return. Big surprise. Big surprise. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about it. I think 
Best new deck is Eldrazi. Best returning deck is Dredge. Dredge has been around. Obviously, it got so many important pieces this year that it became a real format-defining deck. I mean, this, as you were saying before we started recording, it seems like the story of the year really was Eldrazi banned directly into Dredge. That's like that's the the major the major two pieces. I guess I guess the one actually, if it was going to be three, it would it would be Splinter Twin banned into Eldrazi Winter into banning into dredge that would be like the three yeah. most important talking points um what i'm gonna say is grixis and i know that sounds kind of crazy but um you know chapin was on a year ago talking about a version of this deck that was playing you know jace and all these all these cards a lot of which have, have swapped out now um cory burkhart has been doing very well playing grixis and he came on recently to talk about his experience playing it it's a slightly different version of the deck but it's nice to see that it wasn't like a flash in the pan, does really well at a tournament, people figure it out and then stop playing it deck, that if a good player takes it and plays the cards he wants to play, he can you know, do really well with it. It was cool hearing him talk about Counter Squall and like, just like interesting cards. I mean, it's, it's a bunch of good cards. If you're a good player and you work at it, you can do it. And he's a very good player. He did it. So I'm glad to see one of the best players in the world making a, a statement that if you do it well, Grixis is a thing you can play. So it's, it's back. Thanks, Corey. <laughs> I, I I have talked to many people, and the consensus on on their end is that Corey Burkhardt is actually just a master, yeah. at specifically Grixis, but Magic in general, yeah, um, possibly more so than Grixis. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so take that in in kind. If you love Grixis, I do think Modern is a format that you will be better served if you master a deck and get good at it than you necessarily try a metagame with that deck. Right. Um, Corey Burkhardt being a prime example. He's very good. Um, and. Last but not least, the Academy Awards Best Picture, the two best episodes of the year. Number one is uh, Live from Los Angeles, Top 10 Magic Cards Ever list. That's Top 10 Favorite Magic Cards by Kessler and I. I think I blow the mic out like six times. We were having too much fun. We were yelling. Yeah. Um, well, we were. It was in the middle of LA Live, which is... And it was LA Live. It yeah. was live from LA. There's yeah. a lot of puns in the name. We had like a group. We had like a like a we had like a decent audience. We were working with the guys from DMTW, which was so much fun hanging out with those guys. They helped us produce the episode. It was really cool. Um, versus the second one, which would be uh, the uncompleted cycles one, where we went through a bunch of different things of cards that Wizards just kind of hinted at there being cycles and then never really completed that cycle. Uh, that one actually, that one kind of wins almost from the level of the most popular. We've probably had the best response to that episode uh, as far as views goes. So I'm giving, you know, me being just strictly from an analysis perspective and not trying to take emotions into it. Technically, that is the best episode of the year. Yeah, people like that one a lot. I, I the The LA Live episode... It was just a treat in general and, and just very fun to meet so many people and get to do a live episode from there. And uh, I mean, just that whole that whole weekend, like everything about it was just a blast for us. So and so, yeah. And, and, and as we wrap this episode up, I do want to ask all of you guys uh, on all of these categories what your pick would be. What is your best new card? What is your best returning card? Best set, best supplemental product, best new deck best returning deck and best episode that we did this this year. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback. Make sure to tweet at us at the MMCast. Um, to wrap up the episode, I am at Kess Wiley to find us at Twitter. I'm at Ben Bateman Media. And if you guys want to share your thoughts about these things, we'll tweet a bunch of them, if not all of them, um, from the account to ask your opinions if you want to vote or share your thoughts. 
Um, there was no dinner on the line this time. Ben ha- is is resistant because he keeps <laughs> losing this contest. I'm never going to buy you those dinners, Kessler. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we want to thank you guys. Make sure to check us out at Collected.Company. Uh, check out the YouTube channel. If you're listening on YouTube right now, hit the subscribe button. It's really important. I know I realized today that we get a lot of listeners on our YouTube channel that aren't subscribers, so we should change that over. Let's get you subscribing. Uh, and we want to make sure you guys check out our sister podcast, The Command Zone. We want to make sure you go make definitely listen to my interview with Sean Penrod. Yeah. On MTG Pro Tutor, it was a really great episode. Uh, get into a lot about content creation. So if you want to hear like how this episode gets made and all that information, go check it out. Uh, ben did the Dark Knight on Action Movie Anatomy, so make sure to check out. Oh that yeah, that was this week. We did we did the Dark Knight. That was a lot of fun. Yep. And uh, Green Mage, thank you. Yeah, double shout out. <laughs> Sorry, for those who you. are forgotten, we will <laughs> we will in debt. We are in debt. Thank you all, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.